there, founders. This is J.R. Wilco with today's Unnecessary Foolishness. It's episode 46 of the Superfluous Poppycock podcast. I've got Bruno Passos with me. And we're going to be talking about a 16-game stretch that the Spurs have been chasing ever since last December. So, Bruno, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, JR. Got uh, got Spurs basketball out of the way early with the Sunday afternoon game. So got the rest of the, the weekend to myself and to, to marinate on what was uh, unfortunately another loss. Yeah, um, we can talk about Detroit, I guess, if, if we need to. But first, <laughs> first, let's dive into dive into these 16 games, this 13-3 and three run last season that might have set fans up with unrealistic expectations of what this team is yeah it set fans up and who knows if it set the team up as well so and 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 i think that's also what we're going to delve into because um yeah the spurs right now at uh, seven and 14 and i think pop has really given the impression that he's a lot like us right now and that he's looking at this team and he's looking at last year's 48 win team not seeing too many differences uh, aside from he did note that you know this team has Dejounte, but um not not it, it's essentially the same team that he's throwing out there and and just slight tweaks with, with each game but uh more often than not the same result of uh, just poor defense and uh racking up the losses um and yeah the, uh, you and I have spoken on this and i i think last year's 48 win team that he's looking back on is really um that season was so defined by uh, the run in december that the spurs had going 13 and 3 posting easily the best net rating in the league over that stretch of uh, plus 15, uh, easily putting up the best offense in the league over that time and a top five defense. And it's, it's just a question of what, what does this team see in itself? If it wasn't for that run, which we're, we're still going to, we're going to see if it was an outlier or if uh, it's something they can recreate, but it's, it's, it's interesting to think about where this team is without it. And, what this team would be trying to do right now if it didn't have that run uh, with uh, a lot of these similar guys that Pop is throwing out there. So let's talk about that. A couple of things. First of all, what does last season look like without that 13-3 run from early December to early January? Yeah, so that's that's another thing that you and I have spoken about. Um, and yeah, the, the team without it, let me pull up a few numbers real quick. They have an overall negative net rating during that time. They do, yeah. So obviously beforehand they were um, atrocious and desperately in need of a turnaround. And, and even after that run, which they still put up um, a, a decent, it was a winning record that they closed the year with, uh, following that 13 and three run, but even then mm-hmm. they had a negative net rating. So what you're looking at in that team by either metrics of uh, win losses, they, they they were outside of that 13 and three run. They were 35 and 31, mm-hmm. um, which is fine, but it, it wouldn't have been a playoff team in the West. I don't think. Oh no. Um, and it's a team with a negative net rating. So if you look at uh, the the Pythagorean theorem of win losses, how the how teams calculate, you know how the quality of a team beyond the wins and losses, they were not a good team, not a playoff team. So it's, it's, it's a very different team that you're looking at um, on that, that bookends that 13 and three stretch. So you're looking at a team essentially winning 53, 54% of its games, 
you're looking at a team with a negative net rating. You look at a team that's not in the playoffs, so the playoffs streak is broken. And and you've got a team that, like that in the off season that you're saying that you don't think that they would have played the 2019 summer the way that they did without that stretch of 16 games, without that one-month stretch. You do wonder how closely they try and recreate it. Obviously, the Spurs um, do err on the side of continuity and 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 trying to build on what they have um, and, and not necessarily making splashes in the trade market. But given that they did have a 48-win team to build upon, it, it makes all the more sense uh, to, you know, to, to, to bring back Rudy Gay to, um, uh, guarantee the the rest of LaMarcus's, uh, season, uh, which they did earlier this season. Um, it, it makes sense to sort of try and kick, kick the can down the road with that, at least for another year or so. Um, and, and I, I, I do think that that last season does kind of frame where we're at right now with this team, especially, in uh the way the players that pop is putting out there the 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 minimal tweaks he's trying to make uh to that roster while inserting in Dejounte murray obviously he's he's gone to um new iterations since then with the losses but uh it it does feel in a way that the team is where it is now because of um the success last season which was so um heavily anchored by that that run yeah, you say the success of last season. I wouldn't say a 35 and 31 team is a success. So without a doubt, that that 16 game stretch against some pretty good teams. Tell me about tell me what you got on that 13 and 3. Who who did the Spurs beat last year from early December to early January? Yeah, so it starts with uh I believe a win against the LeBron Lakers back when they were still uh, pre meltdown mode and, and competitive. Uh, it includes a home and home against the Nuggets, who um, were obviously just um, uh, one of the better Western Conference teams throughout the year. Uh, there is a v- very iconic loss to the Bulls uh, that occurred at home, but beyond that, it was it was a lot of solid wins. It included uh, that. Uh, extremely exciting win at home uh, against the Toronto Raptors and Kawhi and his return. That was the last game in that uh, 13 and three stretch, I believe, uh, but wins against Boston. Uh, it was, you know, December, you can, you, you can look at it and think that some teams are in sort of the dull, starting to hit the doldrums of the season then. So you wonder if these teams were, were maybe a, a, a bit easier to catch um, and, and that coincided with Pop doing some tweaks of his own to the to the team and and lineups, and maybe the Spurs just uh, caught fire, maybe got a bit lucky uh, during that stretch. But it, it, it you you do look at the the competition, the the net rating, a lot of different factors, and you you do sort of see it as something that was, um, if not repeatable, then uh, at least meaningful and and positive beyond just uh, a, a small sample size. Yeah, it's it's odd to think that everything about or so much about where the team is right now and so much of the way that they strategize during the offseason is due to this one portion, this due to just these 16 games, rather less than a quarter of a season. And and wondering, is that fool's gold, those games? Is it 
magic that can be recaptured because they've been trying to recapture it. They tried all the way through January, February, March, leading up into the playoffs. They played they played Denver pretty well, but that's a really young team just getting their playoff legs underneath them, kind of their first time trying out the postseason together. So I don't know how much you can really lean into any real solid conclusions about about the Spurs based on how they played the Nuggets. So we've got uh, a lot more evidence that the Spurs saw what they had done, understood the rotations that were being used, recognized the different players that are being implemented and have been unable to recapture that in the last 11 months outside of Friday's game against the Clippers, that 13 and three stretch has been way too high a bar to clear. And so, I mean, what do we do with this information? Yeah. And I think the fact that there are so few formulas that do seem to work for this team speaks to the kind of imperfect way that it was built, right. With, with, with players that aren't necessarily, um, interchangeable and 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 players that don't um aren't two-way guys uh, that 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 don't space the floor particularly well at least a few of the the higher usage ones on the team uh so it, it does sort of speak to that but yeah we're, we're i think we're gonna see i think that the team is sort of in approaching the last gasps of of trying to play this hand uh, against the Clippers and the win that where we we saw a sliver of hope, it was uh, Pop getting even closer to that uh, December iteration of the team, which was uh, using that the same starting lineup for the first time this season uh, that anchored that thirteen and three run, which was uh, playing Rudy Gay at the four uh, to start the game alongside Lamarcus Aldridge uh, with the recently reinserted Derek White at the starting point guard and Bryn Forbes and DeMar DeRozan rounding it out. And and that starting lineup the Spurs haven't hadn't used uh, this season thus far. And so it looks like Pop has slowly been circling his way towards uh, that 13 and three team. We saw the ver- that version of it for the first time in the Clippers win. And unfortunately with the news of LaMarcus Aldridge's uh, injury, which uh, doesn't seem serious, but it at least, uh, prevented Pop from building on that and continuing to use it in uh, this uh, today's loss to the Pistons. But uh, I wouldn't be surprised if, uh, uh, barring uh, Lamarcus, any further issues with Lamarcus Aldridge, that uh, he does continue with that same starting lineup with Rudy Gay uh, moving forward, uh, at least until it doesn't work again. <laughs> and then the question is. Now that there's potentially some light at the end of the tunnel, what are we looking at here, right? I mean, we've got a a very long long stretch. We got 20 games of of the Spurs uh, playing drastically inferior ball to what we've been accustomed to, what they've been accustomed over the last 20 years, and and now with the with with a a, a pretty good positive, right? Beating the beating the Clippers is a great win. The only win against a plus five hundred team all season, and you want to build on that. So, 
what happens if you run that same five out? White, Forbes, DeRozan, Gay, and Aldridge. And they kind of sputter and they kind of go 500 or which, even if they play 550 or 600 ball at this point, how long do you go without them setting the, the league on fire? If you're the coach, I'll go ahead and put you in that position. How long do you go before you're like, okay, time to, time to make some moves, time to do some stuff, time to let the, let the young dogs eat so that we can get as much from the season as possible because running running what we've been doing is isn't happening so if i'm if i'm me the coach or if i'm pop the coach because it's i feel no, like no, one no. of the, no, the no, no. you got to be you you got to be you okay uh, one of the greatest points of frustration i think fans have is when they put themselves in their own shoes as a coach and not um try and think things through a certain uh popovician lens uh oh, yeah? but if i'm the oh, coach yeah. well, you, you, we'll do it both ways that's fine <laughs> I mean, with Pop, I, I think his 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 choices are are getting uh, limited anyway. His his typical recourses of um, you know, leaning on what's familiar and 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 his the the guys he knows what they can do and and the vets. Uh, I think that recourse is 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 running out soon anyway. So he might have to start putting on a different cap uh, pretty soon. But yeah, if if I'm me, like I I, I think this team starts having to try and lean on its youth. And 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 see what's there, not only because, you know, it's one of the things that it, he hasn't tried, but because it's something that uh, you start building on in the longer term. Uh, you know, it's it's I, I've been of the mind that Lonnie Walker isn't going to be some, as Pop likes to say, panacea, panacea, however you pronounce it. Um, <laughs> panacea. <laughs> panacea. Uh, but um at the same time, he needs to play at this point. You know, we've seen enough glimpses of it, and I'm sure you'll we'll touch on it later. But um, playing the youth a bit more is 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 really what you have to do. And um, uh, unfortunately, dear Marco, who I think Spurs Reddit has started calling him with a tank commander, tank Marco commander. or something. Oh my goodness! Um, which is, you know, I think it's a a nice way to. Um, at least have some fun with where this team's at. Um, but yeah, it, it's, you're not, you're not really getting much, uh, from, from guys like him. And, uh, it's, it's, it's time to start experimenting and, you know, with, with the youth and what, um, uh, some of these players that you haven't trotted out and seen the same negative results over and over again. Um, but I, I think that's, that's all this team can really do at this point. I'm not, um, you can't necessarily say that it's time to trade this person or that person, but um, maybe you're uh, slightly more willing to to kick a few tires and make a few more phone calls uh, in that way as well. So if you're pop and you take a look at this group and you and, and you get to choose who you put on the trading block first, what do you think? <laughs> Uh, you know, I mean, it, again, it comes back to the, the the market, I guess, that's available for these guys. But, um, you know, I, I think it's it's becoming clear that despite their ability again last season to make it work with uh, Demar Derozan and Lamarcus Aldridge, it's it's just a difficult fit uh, to fit the other guys around them. Um, that includes Dejounte Murray, who you know he he just wasn't um, it, things just weren't working with him in that starting lineup, which is um, it, it does shed some light on his abilities right now as a, a 
a point guard who can um, fit into whatever lineup, but it, it, it speaks just as much or more to um, the stars that were around him and just uh, the, the type of games they have, not only in spacing, but also just um, dribble heavy uh, guys who don't really work within a, a nice fluid ecosystem. So um, I think, you know, your, your, your best bet on both getting a solid return and also perhaps just making uh, the, the rest of the roster work a little bit better is, is just uh, making a few calls with, with one of those two guys. But um you know, you got to be careful because once once you start doing that, then uh, the, the leaks uh, start coming out and, and then things can uh, start to snowball in terms of uh, what you got going on um, with those guys. And, and the maybe the market gets a little bit more tepid for them after that. So the Spurs do have to be a little bit careful, but I think it starts with one of those two. And if you had to choose one? Oh boy. <laughs> uh, I mean, by default, it, it's probably uh, DeRozan just because um, the Spurs are so thin in the front court. Um, LaMarcus does bring a bit more on both sides of the ball. And because you have such a, uh, a bottleneck in the, the guard rotation right now. So, um, you know, again, DeRozan has, I think, been um, better than most people have built him as, especially, I think, nationally. Um, but it, I, it, as with many things right now with this team, the timing's just not been quite right with him uh, fitting in. So I'd probably go with DeRozan. Sounds like an interesting way to move forward. Speaking of moving forward, we're going to take a quick break for sponsors. When we come back, we'll talk about the current NBA scouting report on the Spurs. Talk a little Lonnie Walker the fourth, and get into a little unnecessary foolishness. Thanks for sticking with us, Pounders. This is J.R. Wilco. I've got Bruno Passos with me. Bruno, tell me what you consider the NBA scouting report is on the 2019-2020 San Antonio Spurs, the way they're playing right now. How do you think teams are setting up to attack the current squad. Yeah. So it's when, when you're, when you're poor defensively, I'm not sure. I think if they've fallen deeper in the twenties in terms of defensive rating, but when, when you are that poor, uh, there are going to be some real visible warts and with the Spurs, like, they're, they're, they've been consistently bad on defense in a number of ways. They, their rotations uh, after two or three passes against the defense are, are poor. So, you know, if a team can just get that first breakdown, move the ball around their their cons- uh, opponents are consistently getting good looks usually from three uh and beating the team uh i i if you want to isolation there's a lot of just uh, not especially talented uh or imposing defenders uh on the perimeter so you can generally get good looks that way uh, they've been uh not great at getting back in in transition defensively so if you can attack just push the ball a little bit more uh, and and f- find that that one guy who's not getting quite back. There's points to be scored there, and and just the, 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 there's just something about I don't know if it's a communication or scheme thing with the, this this squad that the Spurs are putting out there, but they they scram. I don't think I've seen a Spurs team that scrambles so unintuitively uh, <laughs> as these guys do. If, if a, a long rebound occurs, you just see players not go where they should so often and two guys go to one way or nobody goes to the guy uh, who's where the ball has bounced to. Um, so it's, it's, there's, there's just a lot of, I think 
easy kind of low low hanging fruit uh, for for scouts to really go at this team, and and that, I think that's part of the reason why you've seen so many uh, losses that sound, look look very similar. Yeah, it's not just the similar losses that that get to me, although. <laughs> It has a number of writers have have talked about the Groundhog Day nature of of this current season. We're talking about losses to to teams that aren't just not good; they're actively bad. <laughs> they're at the bottom of uh, any number of of metrics. Definitely at the bottom of the. Uh, standings but like really bad offensive teams doesn't matter really bad defensive teams doesn't matter it's like their eyes light up at this point if i'm a team at the that's really struggling right now i'm i'm finding the spurs on my calendar and i'm circling it and going man we need to show up if that night at least that night we need to make sure that we get our w uh the way that the pistons toyed with the spurs Sunday night was it was it was not just disheartening as a fan it was discouraging in a way where yeah they didn't have LaMarcus but 34 points that's that's a serious deficit and it's not like that's the only cellar dweller that's put it to the Spurs this year either yeah well you know in the Spurs defense the the, the Pistons did have Christian Wood um so you know that's that's quite the 28 points in 22 minutes uh and 10 rebounds uh from uh christian wood who i think is really talented but has not uh stuck with an nba roster i think he's been waived four times um but just had a night against the spurs uh and just adding seasons javel mcgee right um sure with a three-point shot um pre pre uh, pre golden state warriors javel mcgee Sure. Yeah. Um, you know, he, but he, you know, guys got talent, but still, the, you know, the, not the type of player that you're used to seeing the Spurs just get burned by. But yeah, the Pistons shot uh, 59.1% from the field uh, in the win, which uh, is easily the most that the Spurs have given up. And I think it, I looked on statmuse.com, is the fifth highest uh, field goal percentage that any team has put up this season uh so um hang that banner but uh you know again a loss without lamarcus aldridge but again spurs have so traditionally been able to uh you know stomach uh the loss to a a a starter or a role player and just keep on rolling and this this team is just not that kind of machine ah if 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 this year's team is going to be compared to a machine i'm I'm envisioning something that's that's covered either with rust or with brand new unmatched parts that might not necessarily actually is that on? Does that need like a washer there? Is there is that tightened all the way? Goodness. Uh not the yeah, kind of some... that... Go ahead, what you're saying. Oh yeah. So some of the, the uh inventions that uh data from the Goonies uh invents the beginning of the movie come to mind but um yeah i'm sure just any sort of failed contraptions are uh what we're seeing so far let's leave that machine metaphor sit maybe we can pick that up uh in future weeks but i want to talk about lonnie walker we saw him just 
come in at the end of the the Pistons game. He came in at the end of the Timberwolves game. About four minutes left in the third quarter, both times, and just explode. Uh, what are you seeing from him, and and what are you excited about? Uh, potentially being able to see more of if if the season doesn't go the Spurs way. Yeah, he's been, like you said, one of the the few uh, bits of silver lining right now, which, um, you know, he comes in uh, at random points in the game. It's it's just when, when Pop's fed up or, or when a particular player is just not uh, cutting it. And, uh, you know, he's just sort of, it looks like he's improvising out there. You know, he's, the Spurs are generally, you think of them as like a system where each guy has his own role, but Lonnie's not really had time to settle into anything like that. He's just there and kind of doing his own thing and just galloping and, and, and trying to, you know, find the right combination of making plays and being aggressive, but also, you know, not um, overdoing it to the point where it looks like he's he's not uh, pl- being a team player and and uh, it, again today you saw a guy who can just um, he's he's his defensive instincts are just going to keep on getting better but in the very least right now he's somebody who can make extremely good closeouts and just cover a lot of ground get back on defense um, get his hands uh, in passing lanes and then on the offensive end just one of the the, the I'd say the the best athlete on the team by far right now, um, and just the ability to turn a corner, get to the rim. Uh, he's he's shown I think an improved three point uh, shot. I, I watch him in pregame uh, when when the Spurs play at home, uh, pretty often warming up, and the the, the shot looks good. I think it's going to be better than some people might think, and it's time I think to carve out a real role with regular minutes for him, um, just to let him get better and and have that Spurs system. Um, that we often talk about, lift him up and and let those skills uh, shine through even more than they already have. Man, I'm excited about this kid. Uh, I'm not necessarily going to say that I'm as much of a a Walker fan right now as I am Derek White, but I I can't wait to to see him play. Every time he takes the court, it looks like uh, it's going to be something not just flashy and not just exciting, but substantive. And of course the the guy looks like he's, he's been made for the express purpose to score. Uh, that, that just seems, it just seems uh, it's what he does when he gets on the floor and whether it's teeing up from three point range where, like you said, his, his stroke looks very solid and even in the limited minutes that he he's had and the few shots he's been able to get up, he's he's hitting thirty three point three, and that's without any kind of rhythm. That's with any without any kind of help out from from regular rotation type minutes. I'm just I'm just uh, really excited about him and ready to see him get some more get some more run, get some more burn for sure. Tell me uh, what you think. If I just said a bright spot of on the season, anything related to the team, player wise, coaches, just give me some something to 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 hang to hang a little uh, little weight on as far as some positivity surrounding the season. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, you you look at the the young guys and 
there I, even amid the losing and and the limited opportunities they're getting there there is this undercurrent that's taking place between uh, the guys that are in Austin and Walker starting to get minutes and Derek White and DeJounte Murray hopefully getting more minutes together and hopefully with Walker mixed in and I, the youth movement in general in San Antonio I think is 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 gonna catch on at some point in a more meaningful way um and and i think that one way or another will i think um become more of a storyline as the season unfolds um we probably won't see the rookies this year but as if if we can just get some some regular minutes with those three on the floor um i think that in itself is it would would give uh this season uh something really exciting regardless of um if they do happen to to snap that playoff streak you know and and, um i think when when people do look into the future and and try and um talk about that next iteration of the team these guys are going to give fans a bit of hope with that man i i i can't even imagine right now uh Derek white and lonnie walker the fourth on the floor together getting actual minutes i mean my brain might explode right now. I haven't even considered that. You brought it up, and I, I just realized, as Spurs fans, we're always way too interested in and way too focused on winning in the long run to go. Hey, man, we really need to see the young guys out there more. The fact that we're that we're having this conversation, it's it's, it's a little surreal for me. But I I. I I would love to see those guys out there, see what they could do, see what they're capable of, see if see if these guys could be the making of a uh, next big three, or whether they'd be able to, you know, to su- to support some additional talent coming in that that we might get back if 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 uh, Patfo ever decides to to do a little trade. Uh, man, uh, I definitely think that the future is bright. That is not my bright spot right now the bright spot that i'm that i that's currently uh sitting weighing on my conscious consciousness is uh all of these cold games that we're gonna experience uh, up in the north and we're gonna get a chance to hear bill land be joined by matt bonner on a semi-regular basis i love the chemistry that these guys have together i love what matt brings and I really enjoyed his call of the Spurs Clippers game Sunday night. Uh, like what he adds, the insight that he brings, and the things that he calls out during the game, and it 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 just it just is a, a breath of fresh air. I know you don't always watch the same feed that I do, especially when you're at the game. Have you heard Matt recently, Bruno? Uh, I haven't. No. So, um, yeah, obviously I'm at the game, so not taking those in. And then uh, on the road games, sometimes uh, it's a different feed. Yeah. What, what, whatever. Um, uh, whatever's available. <laughs> um, so, no, but no, that's 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 all obviously good. You know, what, what um all part of the experience and uh, these these and, and yeah no the the bits that I've seen looks like Matt Bonner who I think we all sort of thought would be a natural at it so it's it's uh, not not a surprise to hear it yeah he's definitely shooting and scoring uh, out there with with Bill well that's going to do it for this episode of Superfluous Poppycock everybody out there keep safe and until next time let it fly. Yeah.